Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. It is June 16th, and this is Mark Ice. And Josh Eppinger. How's it going, Mark? Hey, everything's going pretty well here. Uh, how about you, Josh? Oh, pretty good. You know, how does how does uh, HE double hockey sticks in uh, good old Western New York here? But uh, I'm coping with it. Wishing it was winter right now, but... My uh, two-story, my second-story uh, apartment is uh, not killing me a- at the moment. How hot is it there? Uh, God, I don't even want to know. Pre- it was I was working in the sun all day, and then I went for a bike ride, and it was probably about 85, 90, anywhere between there today. So uh, I've been uh, rocking the old shorts and a uh, cut-off T-shirt lately. Yeah, yeah, I've been there recently, too. We had a couple weekends ago it hit 96 here which it definitely gets hotter here we're not quite as used to the heat in western new york one of the one of the great things about it it's never actually hit 100 degrees in western new york just a little uh, hotter out here just think how hot it is in uh las vegas right now and they're preparing for uh to bring a new team in the league and uh they're in 110 degree weather i bet yeah, definitely does not make you think of hockey. And yeah. that, that event will be a little weird happening in the summer and being located there where, yeah, like you said, it'll probably be 100-plus degrees. Not my thing. Um, but uh, some pretty good uh, news here. Uh, I, I hope you're happy, Mark. Uh, you're, uh, your number one candidate for the job for the Sabres head coach was hired yesterday in uh, Phil Housley. How are you feeling about that? I'm very happy. It's been a nice off season for once. You know, I feel like things are kind of breaking our way. What people are wanting, they're getting, although it's looking more and more like we may not get the Royal Blue jerseys. But definitely the yeah. GM and the coach are far more important to me than the color of the jersey. So I'm happy with Botterill, happy with Housley. And I know we discussed it pretty much to death in the last episode why we both preferred Housley, though – you know, we both had come around on talking a little bit, but you want I you want to know we'd both fu- be very positive today. You want to know something uh, pretty funny though is uh, till uh, like the day after we got done talking, I switched sides, man. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I want Tocket. The guy he's had to work really hard, and I'm not discrediting Phil Housley at all, but just uh, you know, Tocket has you know Housley was more of the star, and Tocket was more of the kind of guy that would uh go out there and do everything he possibly could to beat you and he was pretty good at it so he you know i'm sure that guy has it has a he has a lot of hockey knowledge for certain and as a player you he really got to master a lot of the small things that every hockey player will come around to get if they want to be successful well i do think a lot of that is is mitigated you see with some of some of the biggest stars, a lot of times they're handed head coaching jobs. They don't really have to work their way up from the bottom rungs on the ladder, whereas Housley really has had to. So he's had to work his way up from high school hockey, coaching high school hockey after his playing days, to eventually reaching where he is today. So I think that mitigates some of the, I guess you could say, bias or stereotype of the star players not being quality coaches. And I know that we discussed those stereotypes in the past on uh yeah. on prior episodes. Yeah, but um I'm all excited for Phil to come in and uh you know 
hopefully uh, put a good coaching staff together. I'm sure he's going to be bringing in play- guys he wants. Maybe he'll keep a couple guys around. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I know, you know, with our power play being number one last year, I wonder if they'd keep a guy like Bob Woods, our the goaltender coach, who's uh, been with, you know, Leonard and Allmark and a couple other guys. And all the team, all our goaltenders, Two starting goaltenders the last few years have been pretty good, no matter who it's been, if it's Nielsen or Chad Johnson or um, anyone really, man. So it's in Omar coming up, and, and Leonard's been uh, was great. So, you know, maybe those are two guys they keep around. What do you think? I'm, I definitely would like to see Allen, the goaltender coach. I'd like to see him back for sure because I completely agree with you. He's done a great job really any goaltender the Sabres have acquired in recent history, their numbers have improved coming to the Sabres. And part of that's been the system that we've that we've run, and they faced a lot of shots, and that boosts save percentages. But you can tell it by watching these guys technically that they're largely in control, and that's resulted in better numbers. When it comes to the power play, I, I wouldn't mind seeing if, if Housley believes that Woods is the best guy for the job and that he was really the driving force behind that power play being so good last year, then of course I'd like to see him back. But I think it has a lot more to do with the five players that they could throw out on the ice for the power play. I think that's what's really driving the power play and really putting anybody with experience running an NHL power play with the kind of talent that the Sabres can can throw out there in a five-on-four or five-on-three situation. I think the power play is still going to be very, very good. Maybe not best in the league, but very, very good. Well, he, we got that going for us, which is nice. If I could steal those were the two from, uh, things the Sabers had going for them last year: power play and goaltending. Everything else was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, well, what do we, see, we're keeping the episode positive here. You know, on the Saber Talk podcast, we we're talking about the, the highlights of last year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, um, number six, Mister Housley, uh, can uh, bring to this team. Maybe uh, I, I, we both uh, expected, you know, the help, you know, I don't know if you listened to the press conference at all yesterday, but he said he wants to uh, have his D join the rush and uh, contribute offensively a lot. And it showed with Nashville's play and, you know, Phil's play as a player, right? So um, it should be interesting to see that and see, you know, if, you know, my first thought was, man, how good – could Brendan Gooley be in the future? You, you know, I still think he's going to take some time in Rochester, but if he learns from uh, Phil Housley, one of the best to do it, you know, fourth, fourth uh, in points and defensive players all time in the NHL, if uh, he can really have Gooley, a guy with a nice skill, skill, skill set and speed, to uh, come in and really elevate his game once he's ready to play in the big club. Definitely. I think Gooley... Of of really any of the prospects in the NHL, he's any of the non-elite prospects that you're expecting to step into the NHL in the near future, Gooley has everything wide open right in front of him. So there's a great forward group there. He's coming in coming into a team with a coach that has done wonders with a mobile defensive core in Nashville. And the left side there is pretty much completely barren. He's got Jake McCabe and Victor Antipin in front of him. And so I'm still not sure if he's going to step into the NHL from day one or if he's going to start in the AHL, but really the sky is the limit for him, and I couldn't think of a better situation 
for him to be coming into. And it's really been a long time since the Sabres have had a dynamic skating defense, and that, that's what I think excites people so much about Gooley, and that's a, a skill that jumps right off the page at you, or you know, right off the screen at you when you're watching him play. Skating ability is one of those, is just one of those things that you see right away, and really any fans, even casual fans, can see that. So I think that's why you see across the Sabres fan base there's a lot of excitement about Gooley. Now I want to temper those expectations a little bit. I don't think he's going to step in and be a stud from day one this year. But there is a lot to be excited for this situation and him over the long term. Yeah, uh, I know when we previously t- we previously talked a lot about Gouley during last season when he came up, and I I was uh, more in favor of uh, at the end of the year recap I was more in favor of him being on the club next year, but uh, seeing uh, Jason Botterell come up at, as our GM and knowing his approach for the game I'm assuming he's going to be starting in Rochester this year. Uh, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it, you give him some time to really develop, and who knows, he could come up halfway through the season if we're in a good spot, kind of like uh, you know, you watch Jake Getzel come up out of the American Hockey League with Wilkes-Barre and contribute immense, immensely on that team, and kind of like how Connie, Connor Sheary did it the year before. Uh, not saying that we're going to be in the position that Pittsburgh was in the last two years at all. But uh, I don't want to get misconstrued here. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a ch- time and chance that he will come up and play full-time at after the year starts. Definitely, yeah. That's what would be, be great to have him in that situation where he can play every situation, big minutes in Rochester. Hopefully the Amherst are better this year than they were last year and uh, can – develop quickly and I think he's one of those prospects that will develop very quickly and we will be clamoring for him to be in the NHL sooner rather than later and like you I I expect that he will at least get a cup of coffee in the NHL this year whether or not he's a full-timer down the stretch really depends and I think a lot of it depends on Antipin if they hadn't signed Antipin then you'd see that third pairing uh, left spot wide open for the taking really for Gooley but now you have Antipin in front of him as well as McCabe. You still have Josh Georges around, though. I I know that we're both hoping that he is not in the everyday lineup, and if he is in the everyday lineup, then this team cannot have high expectations this year. But yeah, and it, it could very well be. I mean, there's you know they might intertwine uh, J- uh, Falk and uh, Falk, Fadoon, and Georges in there too. Who knows? Um, but it should be interesting to see. Uh, another guy that I thought maybe could really benefit from this is uh, Zach Bogosian, a player that struggled. He's been hurt. We everyone complains because his contract doesn't ma- match the, the the his level of play. But it should be interesting to see if uh, Bogosian could re-find himself underneath the new coach. And that's a, a thought that's been going through my head ever since Biosmo was fired. So. Maybe uh, they let the handcuffs off him, so so to speak, and let him uh, let him play a different style and one that maybe he could find his role into. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's what I've been in favor of, really from the beginning. And I I know I'd said in the past maybe I'd be willing to include an asset with Bogosian to get rid of his contract, and I'd still be willing to do that in the right deal. But I think that there is a very good chance, a very real chance that he turns it around under this coaching staff like you just said 
He's still only 26 years old, I believe. He had quite a few very good years in Winnipeg. He looked good after initially coming over from Winnipeg. I know he's had a lot of injury issues throughout his career, so that's probably always going to be a concern. But he's, you know, he's had a lot of years where he's played 22, 23 minutes a night, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to do that in a new system under a coach that knows how to utilize his talents. And I think that was one of our big issues with Bilesma is he just did not know how to put his guys in positions to succeed. And Bogosian, I think, was one of the most obvious players there. Not to say that he didn't he didn't cause a lot of the problems himself, made a lot of bad decisions, and his defensive zone coverage was just horrendous for a lot of <laughs> last year. But you can blame, it, blame a lot of it on the system too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it should, you know, when we're, when we're talking, uh, about Housley coming in as a head coach, it's, you know, our first, our first guys like me and you, our first thoughts are, what's he going to do to this defense? I, you know, McCabe did play for him in the world juniors when USA uh, won gold in 2013 and Housley was, uh, the head coach of that. Most people know, but, uh, See how you you know it, it could really work wonders for Risto too, a, a guy that's been leaned on too much. Maybe Housley will realize that. I, I would assume that he would realize that and uh, have him maybe playing a little less minutes this year instead of you know going to a game and think, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the ice for 30 minutes or more if we go into overtime. Uh, so it should be interesting what he does with Risto. I also thought it was cool, uh, interesting, and you know he had the. Had to, he had to say it yesterday in the press conference that um, he's looking forward to working with Jack. Uh, he said he worked with other players that are uh, surrounded by media, and at, such as P.K. Subban. And, um, it should, so he has, ex, he has experience working with stars, which is a pretty uh, good thing. And it seemed like Subban and Housley got along well in uh, Nashville. Let's hope that Jack and Phil get along just well too definitely yeah I think he's got to realize too that for him to be successful in his first head coaching job which I think everybody everybody wants to do he wants to make a name for himself quickly as an NHL head coach Eichel is your ticket to that success and everything is going to revolve around him that's what really professional sports are and the NHL certainly works that way where your stars drive the play. Your stars are what going to carry you, are are what is going to carry you to championship status. So, I think he realizes that. Eichel had a fantastic year last year, I thought, and I know that there were some people were calling him a whiner, things like that. But you look at some of the conversations that you and I were having in this podcast, that fans were having as a whole. We were all just extremely frustrated with the situation as a whole. So I I really don't blame him. A super competitive guy like that who's in his second professional season on a poorly coached team that really underperformed versus expectations. I'm not carrying over any sort of grudge for him getting frustrated last year. I know some fans still are, but I think if you look at the sh- the, sh- the shot generation that he had last year was really one of the better shot generating seasons in recent history and especially for players of his age. And I think he can take even another huge leap forward this year, especially if you have a better defense in place. That really can make everything that much easier for your forward core. So I think we've got a ton to be excited about for Eichel this year. And of all the problems that this team has, which are many, Eichel is certainly not one of them. No, no, it should be interesting how 
how they get along. I, I, you know, I, the question is, the, is it is in the back of everyone's head? Are they gonna scrap? Are they gonna stitch that C on his sweater this year? Uh, it would be interesting to find out uh, what happens, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, we got the expansion draft uh, coming up this Wednesday, so in five days from now, we will uh, know what players are getting s selected at the All-Star Awards. Uh, not the All-Star Awards, just the NHL Awards or whatever they want to call it. It should be, I'm assuming, a terrible display of something that could be cool. It's probably going to be like shown on like a giant board, and that picture's going to be surfacing Twitter for a week or something of this board and how they could have done something cool if like maybe uh having uh, go by team by team and say which one they're selecting so the 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 teams will hand in their list of the players they're going to protect tomorrow at five i do believe and at three o'clock uh p.m tomorrow there's also a trade freeze until the draft on wednesday so there's a a lot of stuff, a lot of trades going down, uh, and a lot of talk going on. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if uh, GMs aren't gonna around the league. Are there's still some more deals to be made? Uh, we we haven't talked about uh, talked about it on the podcast yet. But yesterday, uh, news broke that Jonathan Drouin and uh, it was going to Montreal for um, Mikhail Servichev and the, the uh, second round pick, I do believe, right? Correct. Yep. And uh, a a a big trade, a, a trade that makes sense to, for both teams, in my opinion. I'll, uh, Tampa was reportedly on a on a defenseman. They obviously wanted a young guy that they didn't have to protect in the expansion draft because that team is loaded, and they need to protect as much as they can. And Drouin, being uh you know the French Canadian, he is going into uh, Montreal. With a new contract and uh, a new team, and maybe he's the new face of the Canadians. Uh, should be pretty interesting. I thought that was a pretty good trade for both sides. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I I liked it, especially from Tampa's side. I think there's more risk on their side because you don't know what Sergachev is going to turn into, and Duran is more of a sure thing. He put up uh, what fifty some odd points last year. Still very young. He probably will be one of the better point-scoring wingers in the league for a long time. And very dynamic player. I like watching him play a lot. Me but too. with the expansion draft in place, you you already mentioned this, being able to trade him, and now you can protect another one of your forwards, someone like a Nemesnikov, and you acquire Sergachev, who you do not have to protect. That's huge. And they also picked up an extra second-round pick as well. Sergachev is cost controlled longer, so Drouin immediately was re-signed by the by the Canadians for six years and five point five million dollars per year. Is that correct? Um, uh, yes, I believe. I, yes, I believe so. Um, sounds and it sounds looks like probably Montreal now will be looking to move Galchenyuk because he had already been rumored to be on the block, and now they bring in a dynamic winger and pay him. Galchenyuk is a restricted free agent himself, so I wouldn't be surprised to see another move, and maybe maybe they're moving Galchenyuk for help on the back end. Probably not somebody quite as highly touted as Sergachev, but that'll be interesting just to see unfold. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't 
be surprised if it wasn't even a defensive player that was moved for him. Uh, you know, the rumor is that uh, Gelchenyev is uh, uh, Claude Julien doesn't like him playing center. Doesn't see him as a center. Doesn't see him as a fittest for center. He wants to play center. We're having a whole other. I people could be speculating too much, but it's uh, it's a, a whole other. Um, not Spezza, uh, but uh, I can't. Why am I? Why am I drawing a blank here? Mark Center for the Dallas Stars, played for Boston. Tyler Sagan. Pick. Tyler Sagan. <laughs> Sorry about my brain fart, everyone. So <laughs> we could have an whole other Ty- Tyler Sagan thing here with Julian, but uh, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to move him for a centerman, which is uh, is uh, it's pretty interesting to me. Glenn Cheniak is a good young player, a lot of skill. A lot of a lot of speed too. Uh, looking for uh, his first big contract here, but uh, he he's a he's a dominant force in the league. If someone could get them from the Maple, um, not the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, uh, they could have a hell of a player there. That yeah, I think that should be a price. piece that a lot of younger teams are interested in. And he's he has his warts, and he was stapled to the fourth line in the playoffs last year. You talked about it. Julian and him just did not seem to get along, but still had 44 points in 61 games last year. He's been a productive offensive player throughout his career, and you've got to still think there's upside there. He's still only 22, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know where he's been rumored, though. I haven't been following that situation very closely, so I don't know who has a center to give up necessarily and, and where would make sense for him as a, as a destination, but... There's, there are definitely going to be more moves coming out of Montreal. I think there's there's no doubt about that. Can I ask you a question? Definitely. Uh, would you trade Reinhardt for Glenn Cheniak? <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah? Uh, well, especially, first of all, I think Reinhardt probably will be better. Second mm-hmm. of all, Reinhardt is cost-controlled for longer, so Galchenyuk is already off of his second contract now. He already has five years in the league, so he's two years away from unrestricted free agency unless he signs a a long-term deal. Whereas Reinhardt, he's entering his third year in the league, and the Sabres would still have four years of team control after this. So I like Elchenyuk, and I think he will be a nice, you know, a nice maybe discount pickup for somebody. You'd still be giving up a good piece for him because he's a talented player that's put up pretty quality offensive production so far in his career but I don't see the fit with the Sabres and I definitely wouldn't be willing to dangle a piece like uh like Reinhardt out there for him all right good good uh info um another player another player that's been in the headlines uh lately for that the NHL is um a good old friend of the Buffalo Sabres and I mean that with complete sarcasm uh Dion Phaneuf was asked to waive his no movement clause uh, for Ottawa. I don't know if uh, Ottawa wanted to leave him unprotected. Do, if they even thought that Vegas would take a player like Phaneuf, um, but uh, it, it seems like they they really don't want to lose Mark Mathot or Cody Cece. Um, they uh, pretty talented uh, defensive core in Ottawa with. Uh, uh, the coach there. I'm not going to m- murder his name right now, for, so everyone can hear it. <laughs> Guy Boucher. But, Guy Boucher. <laughs> I would call him Guy Boucher. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, interesting to see that 
they wanted him to move. I know he is uh he signed to twenty twenty one with a seven million dollar cap hit. It's pretty hard for any team to swallow. But uh, teams that need defensive help, maybe they're interested in him. Mark, can I ask you the question? Would you take Dion Phaneuf as a Buffalo savior? No, I think that that <laughs> contract is that contract is bad, and yeah. you know the Sabers the Sabers don't really have the wherewithal to, to be adding another bad contract right now. And Ottawa thought, hey, we can add a legitimate top four defenseman here. Yes, we know his his contract is bad, but we're not giving up much for him. And then look at what it's done to him this off season. And they have Bobby Ryan under contract up front too, being overpaid immensely, and he didn't really produce this year at all. Uh, so no, I would not be interested in in Dion Phaneuf. Oh man, if only could hear. Only if you knew ten years from now. I mean, ten years before that, we had a chance to get Phaneuf. <laughs> I'm just so glad I don't have a Dion Phaneuf Flames jersey or anything like that, because I would never hear the end of it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself, Mark. I don't mean to <laughs> go after you about Fanuff, but uh, I just can't help myself sometimes. You know me. I, I was, I've been, I've been <laughs> waiting to ask you that question for oh, oh, five days now, just laughing to myself. Five days right around mowing the lawn, <laughs> laughing on the tractor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so we should, so you know, there's there's players. Uh, you know, teams are making moves. Players. It, Everyone's trying to prepare for this expansion draft. Uh, with with you know, the Red, the Rangers uh, waived D- Dan Girardi a couple days ago and uh, bought his contract out. You know, uh, a player that I think they like, but a player that they're not willing to uh, have on the on their team right now with everything that's going on. And uh, who else is uh, bought out today? Uh, from Anaheim. Uh, Francois Beauchemin. Oh, yeah. He was bought out. Beauchemin was too, yep. Um, and then uh, Anaheim, uh, Simone uh, Dupuis, Dupuis or whatever, uh, was uh, waived today too. So, you know, Anaheim's making moves to try to keep some of their guys. You know, they they I, we both anticipate that they're going to protect four forwards, four defensemen. But you're still leaving... Uh, Manson out, Manson out, unprotected. Uh, Clayton Stoner, which is not too big of a of, of piece, and I think he's unrestricted this season, anyways. Actually, but uh, you that leaves you protecting Lindholm, Vatanen, Fowler, and Bieska. Bieska, what? And Bieska has that no movement clause. I know they were probably hoping to get rid of him this year, but uh, we'll see if he if they ask him to waive or not. Actually, that period can't. No one, they can't ask anyone else to wave. That period just hit a couple hours ago, or right? Yep. So yeah, it looks yep. like. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is the only one I can think of that actually did wave his no movement clause. We don't know who else was asked and refused to wave. Sounds like Fanuff was one of those that refused to wave it. But I would have to think they would have asked Bieksa at least. Yeah. Maybe he refused. Think, I would think that. Minnesota would have asked Jason Pominville too. Yep. Um, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if those guys are on good teams. Wouldn't surprise me if they used their power and didn't want to leave. You know, I wouldn't have blamed Mark Andre Fleury for doing it either. Though that would be that'd be a very difficult situation if uh, Pittsburgh then loses 
Matt Murray, and now you've got to be there the rest of your contract and feel the wrath of fans for losing this two-time cup-winning goalie who looks like a future star, and you're the one that stays. But So I can understand why Flurry did it. Well, yeah, you know, and hats off to Flurry. That's a real uh, gentleman move. He shows respect to I, I, you know, I'm sure Pittsburgh has the most up towards respect for him. Uh, they drafted him first overall, so I mean, that, if, if that that's respect right there. But I mean, for him to do that and wave it to Vegas, uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's what was best for his team that he spent his whole career with. Even though it hurts, I'm sure, but uh, he celebrated with another cup, and uh, he's gonna go be the face of Vegas. It sounds like. I'm actually not that sure that he's going to get picked. A lot of people are penciling him in as being Vegas's pick, but I don't know that Pittsburgh's going to have to lose some other pretty valuable players out there, and there are a lot of other quality goaltenders on teams with less valuable other players available than what Pittsburgh's going to have. So a lot of people are just penciling that in, but I don't necessarily see it happening. I wouldn't be surprised if Flurry's back with the Penguins next year. Yeah, you know, you, you could be right, and that would really put them in quite the situation with his uh, cap hit, and, you know, um, there, there's there's a lot of attractive pieces on this Pittsburgh team. Uh, you know, Brian Dumoulin is a guy that comes to mind for me. Uh, he's restricted this season, but uh, he played pretty well in the playoffs, I thought, this year, and, uh, on, and didn't play major minutes or anything, but... A depleted decor, really, and you got to think that Pittsburgh's going to protect. Well, they have to protect Latang. You got to think they're going to uh, protect Olimata and Ian Cole is my assumption, uh, and then protect seven up front because they got a lot of a lot of players on that team. I mean, it's a re- there's a reason they're so good. Well, Pittsburgh will, as things stand now, would have to leave at least one of Mata and Cole unprotected. To meet the requirements. Really? Yep. Uh, because you need to leave somebody under contract that's hit that 40-70. At least one defenseman. And uh, Mata, Cole, and Latang are the only three that meet th- that uh, meet that for the Penguins. So, But I think Justin Schultz will, will be protected. And I think Dumoulin oh, yeah. will be protected too. I think actually my projection right now is I have them leaving... Mata and Cole both unprotected. I forgot about Schultz. So uh, I mean, this list is pretty big in front of me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Mata and Schultz is who's gonna be. And you said Cole and Schultz with Latang. No, Schultz and Dumoulin, and leaving oh, okay. both Mata and Cole unprotected. I think. I think Dumoulin's gonna be pretty sought after after this uh, this cup run here. And I think Mata, with his contract, he's more expendable. Not that you'd want to lose him, but he's had his ups and downs, and yeah, that's a pretty notable deal. Yeah, he didn't he didn't perform particularly well, in my opinion, in uh, the Stanley Cup Final. In my opinion, I agree. Um, he got beat, and Aberg walked him on probably the best goal in the in the entire tournament. That was a great goal. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, he just walked right on him. So uh, either and I way, think he's going to be a, a quality top four defenseman. He's only twenty two still, and um, you know I don't think that contract is horrible or anything. And I actually have in my projection here Vegas picking Mata, 
and not picking Flurry. Um, hey, I I would take I would take Mata and Buffalo any day. That's <laughs> what uh, I was actually going to bring up as part of this discussion too. Is I would hope that Botterill would be on the phones and seeing what would you want for Mata. And like I said, there is a risk there, and he's had his ups and downs. But you think most defensemen their peaks are later than forwards. He's already had a lot of NHL experience by the time he's this age. And that contract could come back to bite you, but even if he's only a, a solid number four, paying $4 million a year for that is pretty fair. So I'd be very interested in, in Mata and hope that we talked about it before with, with Bogosian that under this coaching staff maybe the fire would be lit there. The the light bulb would go on for him. Yeah, could very well be. Um I I I would be very intrigued on taking a young twenty two defenseman who's won two cups. Twenty two year old that's won two cups and uh has had experience, but uh it's gonna be interesting what happens there for sure. Yeah, so that situation will be interesting to watch unfold. That was really the only I was expecting more news in terms of people moving or uh, waving their no movement clause though, but all we got was was flurry, so their picture became a little bit clearer. Though I still think it's really up in the air as to as to what Pittsburgh ends up doing, because they even could go, uh, they could protect eight total skaters and protect Mata. Then he'd probably be leaving Patrick Hornquist unprotected up front. He only has one year left on his deal, so maybe they think that's better than leaving Mata unprotected. But we don't know how exactly the pit the Pittsburgh front office views Mata, and uh, I don't know. That's one of the more interesting ones, I think, in the in the whole league. Some teams are really straightforward. Like, I think Buffalo is very straightforward as to what the Sabres are going to do. That's why you and I haven't talked about it all that much. But Pittsburgh yeah. is one of those teams that you don't really know what they're going to do. Um, Yeah, it, it, it should be interesting what comes down to it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they even moved a pick to make sure that they did take Flurry, that LA, Las Vegas would take Flurry, just to make sure, because I know – you know, no one wants to say it in that organization, but everyone's wanting Flurry to go to help make uh, this the cap situation a little better as well. Yeah, I mean, having nine million dollars tied up in goal is very difficult when you have some of these other very high paid high paid players in that organization, and they're going to want to make other moves to supplant the the guys that they have now. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's hoping that Flurry is taken, but they may have to sweeten the pot a little, like you said. Yeah, and you know, I think I think they would be willing to do it, but that's just uh, my I'm no I don't have any inside information on that or anything. So, you know, just just my prediction. Uh, another team that uh, I've been inquired about in this uh, expansion draft is the New York uh, Islanders. Actually, uh, a team that has some strong defense, and I don't believe is going to take protect all four uh personally i don't i think they're going to protect three and seven up front uh do you have an opinion on the islanders mark yeah i think they're going to have to do the the seven three one like you said and i think boy check they have to protect and then i think yeah nick letty and hamannick probably they will protect as well but i saw hamannick's name come out there a little bit i don't know if that's from an official source or whether or not that's just fans speculating that maybe he could be on the table, but that would be a very nice target. He he's oh, yeah. fit, fits in with the age range kind of of what the Sabres are trying to do. Younger guys still. Yeah, and I think I'd it would. Pay for him. 
it would cost you something valuable. He's mm-hmm. He certainly has value. But like you said, they're going to have to leave Thomas Hickey and Calvin DeHaan both unprotected, it looks like, currently. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to move move somebody. I don't really know yeah. what the price would be. I I'd, Well, the whole reason I brought it up is because as a saber and a Sabres fan, as a Sabres fan, I'm interested in Calvin DeHaan, a uh, 26-year-old player. He's he's his uh, contract is coming is up, but he's restricted. And uh, I believe we if we could get him if we knew we could get him signed, I think he would uh, fit in our top four pretty well. And I don't think the price would be too crazy. Maybe a second-round pick and a prospect, uh, not like a like a Hudson fashion or something. I don't know, but. Uh, um, it, it should be interesting. I I I would love to see the Sabers make a deal with the Islanders because they are in a they are one of those teams that has a, you know is going to lose someone and that you they're going to probably want to so they're probably going to want something in return. But I think I I would imagine that the price for Calvin DeHaan would be a lot less than Travis Har or Hamannicks. Probably yeah, um, especially. Dehan, you don't know what his next contract is going to look like, but he had a he had a pretty nice year for uh, for the Islanders last year, and I think the price probably would end up being a little higher than what you're projecting, unless they really like Hudson Fashing. But I feel like yeah, some I, contending I teams really out there, there would be would be I would have to think first round picks would probably be in play for him, or eight eight teams first round pick would be in play for him, but certainly somebody to be interested in and to inquire about because also he he fits in with the age range had a big step forward last year I thought from when I got a chance to watch the Islanders so I agree with you that's a team that I hope I hope Botterill is in discussions with about you know are any of your defensemen available what are you looking for in return Um, and the Sabres do have really that extra slot because I'm I would not mind leaving Zach Bogosian unprotected so if you're able to get somebody, you can protect them in this expansion draft and leave Bogosian unprotected, and you're not going to be worrying about Vegas taking Bogosian. If they do, great. Yeah. Can you imagine, Mark, this this whole thing going down the expansion draft, and all the GMs are sitting there in their offices on their phone with a team with their guys around, and it's like a giant game of internet poker. You know, like, are you willing to pay this price? what's going on you know you're just inquiring and kind of talking it must be a i i bet it's exciting as all hell even though it's been a little slower than we thought just kind of like the trade deadline this year it's like another trade deadline basically we're sitting around waiting for moves and there's one monster move and everything else is pretty small but uh it's interesting for sure i'm uh but speaking of the savers we have never i i i'm sure we both have uh we both have our lists of protected players for the Sabres, and I really think we should highlight this version on uh, this seg- this part in our po- episode today. But uh, you brought up not protecting Zach Bogosian. Uh, it it's a it's a it's an interesting thought. Uh, what's your, what's your list like looking like? Mine uh, I could read mine off first if you want, or doesn't really matter. Yeah, go um, for it. I think I think we have the same list, and we have discussed it before, but we can see if there's any variation there. Okay, well, um, I know we're gonna have one. We have one different, uh, one different uh, difference just from our conversation earlier. 
I got O'Reilly, Oposo, who has the no movement clause, uh, William Carrier, Marcus Foligno, Johan Larson, and the right to Zygmunt Gergesen as well. And uh, I have Rasmus, uh, McCain. And Evander Kane, right? Oh, yeah, and Kane. I, I must have missed that. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm protecting seven up front with Ristolainen, McCabe, and Justin Falk. Uh, just because I want to see that Bogosian contract go. And I almost was even thinking about uh, protecting George's just uh, to make that pick for Bogosian look a little more sweeter. But I think uh, I don't think Las Vegas would have a problem taking a guy like Justin Falk or maybe even possibly a Taylor Fadoon who is a year older. But uh, And then our similar our our one difference is I actually have the Sabres protecting Linus Olmark. Even though Robin Leonard is a a very uh, sought-after piece and would be a great move for L.A. to pick up, and even if he wasn't the goaltender there, I mean Vegas, I'm sorry, even if he wasn't the goaltender there, just to have his rights and and, and throw in Calgary's face and see if they bite the hook on a very good goaltender. So, yeah, back to our discussion beforehand, which obviously wasn't a part of the podcast and that we weren't recording. We're making these picks with, without assuming trades, of course. So I would not be opposed to shopping Robin Leonard to see if another team, Calgary could make a lot of sense, like you said. Um, I'm not opposed to shopping him. I think he's going to be the Sabres starter next year. I don't think he'll ultimately be traded, but I would not be opposed to that at all. But as things stand, as the roster stands today, I don't think there is even a 0.1% chance that they protect Linus Olmark over Robin Leonard. Um, And that's, you know, maybe I end up being proven wrong on that, but Leonard put up up very good stats last year. Uh, is a more highly touted prospect than Olmark has been or was a more highly touted prospect than Olmark, though I do believe Olmark's going to develop into a quality NHL goaltender, and I probably believe in him more than a lot of people do. But Olmark didn't have a fantastic year in the AHL last year, and you know I don't see him being this this stud goalie prospect that you need to sacrifice because Leonard would be taken in a heartbeat by Las Vegas if he was left unprotected. Uh I don't think he's. I don't think Olmark is somebody that you sacrifice. Somebody that's proven to be a quality starter uh, in an expansion draft. So that's my position on that. And I also have the Sabers protecting Bogosian and not oh. Falk. Okay. Um, uh, go on. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Try to dangle that Bogosian contract out there in front of them, but. I don't know. As it stands now, I feel like Bogosian, with what they have invested in him, they're going to protect him over Falk, who really, I think they, they re-signed almost just as much to have another guy that fit the uh, expansion requirements or unprotected re- requirements as they did because they thought he'd be a, an important part of the defense next year. So I guess I could see that one going the going the other way, going the way that, that you said, just to try to dangle the Bogosian contract out there in front of them, but um, I don't see Olmark being protected, barring a trade. Yeah, well, and it, it's interesting, and I've thought about this 
Lenair Olmark thing over and over again ever since the contract came out that they signed him for a two year deal at seventy five uh thousand seventy five hundred thousand dollars. Uh so it's 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 interesting. I just think that Allmark, you know, has had a lot of experience last year with the struggling Rochester team. He has came up and played, and he has looked pretty good uh, in the NHL, and I was surprised for how well he played when he was up, but you're, you're not going to expect that from him out every night. So me saying that we're protecting Linus Olmark over Robin Leonard, which is, uh, you know, which, you know, you think is a... Uh, a fat chance, and it could very well be a fat chance. I could be eating my words on this one too, buddy. But uh, it's the the reason I I tend to think that this might happen is just because there's Leonard trade talk rumors. I know it's a valuable piece that you can still move, but if if Barrel doesn't see him in the system, maybe and he likes Olmark, maybe he just protects Olmark. We'll find out. But uh, you, you you could very well be right, Mark on uh, them protecting Leonard, but uh, it's it's uh, interest, It's definitely an interesting scenario, and like I said, since they uh, signed Allmark to the new deal, I started thinking a lot about it, so I've been on the fence. Yeah, and I think we shouldn't be bringing in the possibility of a guy getting traded. You know, it's not like we're, we're not leaving Evander Kane off of our protection list because we, yeah. we think that he may be traded, so... You know, my picks here are as the roster stands today, and I just I think it's from an asset management perspective, it would be a disastrous move to be protecting Linus Olmark over Robin Leonard. Even if even if you're not a huge Robin Leonard fan, Leonard has more value than Olmark. So Yeah. If both of these guys are still on the roster, I just don't see I don't see the the rationale really or justification for it. But we'll agree to disagree and if if you turn out to be right and I turn out to be wrong, then I, d- I definitely owe you something. A good old cold beer, or a yeah, good old Molson, a good old Molson draft over at yours truly, the Tap Room in Westfield, New York. Uh, if you ever look in Western New York in Westfield, come uh, stop in in the Tap Room. I'll be bartending tomorrow, one to six. Uh, the phone number is seven one six three two six two five zero zero. Our uh, our top advertiser. Yes, yes, they pay us a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it should be interesting. I, you know, if I had to put money on it, I would put Olmark. I mean, I would put Leonard, but uh, I just don't have my gut feeling, I guess. But you know, if I, if if I, if someone's like, hey, you got to put fifty dollars of your own money, and on a guy that you think the Sabers are going to pr- protect uh, in the in the expansion draft for goalies. I would put it on Leonard probably. But, you know, I'm uh, having a little fun of it too. I can respect um, that, yeah. Um, it would be it would be boring if we disagreed all the time and always took the, the most popular stance. So I guess we need to disagree every once in a while to keep things interesting and to have things to talk about for an hour plus, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had some picks too, you know, if we – if we had been able to go through our full expansion draft picks where I took a couple kind of with that in mind, like this is not the consensus this is not really what I've seen other, other people be projecting, but I figured it would give us something to talk about. Um, um so well, I try to do you, that every once in a while. 
You got any of the examples of that actually, Mark, that come to mind right now? Um, one of them was Chicago. Okay. I have protecting just eight skaters and protecting uh, Van Riemsdyk in addition to Seabrook, Keith, and Jalmerson. And so only protecting the four forwards up front that they have with no movement clauses. So leaving Kruger, Panic, Hartman, those guys unprotected up front. It's funny, it's funny you say that, Mark, because I actually did the same. Okay. <laughs> yes, okay. I, uh, I've seen mo- most of them. I've seen have been the other way. Just saying, oh, I, I can't imagine them leaving. Panic. I said panic. I know before. Panic uh, unprotected. But I feel like Van Riemsdyk's a more valuable piece at only, you know, eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for next year. It's huge with their aging defense. If I was protecting a defenseman in the NYCCC, the CCHA. Uh, Midget Mole 2008 team, I would be protecting uh, uh, Robert Panic. No, Brett Panic. Brett Panic. <laughs> I'd be protecting Brett Panic with his football shoulder pads that he wore onto the ice. <laughs> that, guy, that guy was one mean guy, you know. Me and Mark were just, uh, you know, young kids joining a team full of older guys and. I, he tried to burn that shirt right off my uh, right <laughs> off my torso at that at that uh, that lo- in that locker room in Buffalo. You remember that? I do. Yep. He yeah. uh, he definitely hazed you a bit. <laughs> but you know he was a he was a he was a good player. I you, you were on his defensive pairing, weren't you? I was. Yeah, for a lot of that year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he was Quick. certainly not scared. No. Yeah. He's a. Uh, quick set of wheels on that dude, but uh, yeah, that that Chicago, uh, you know, we could see Chicago. You know, if 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 they were gonna protect an extra forward, I think they would uh, protect Kruger, him being a center, and them having uh, some, you know, him on a pretty reasonable deal, in my opinion. Uh, Pan- Panak is uh, another person that they could or Hartman. But uh, I think if if it comes down to it and they only protect three defensive, like they very well, I could see it being uh, Kruger. Well, they've they've actually said that Kruger, <clears throat> they're they're trying to get to go to Vegas. I think is because uh, he's a little expensive considering he doesn't really put up offense or anything, and I think they they must think he's replaceable for less. Uh, that they're trying to get him to go to Vegas, so I think, I think probably that probably the the next forward that they'd protect would be Ponick. I'm not sure if they would even be protecting Kruger if they were doing a seven three one and trying to dangle that deal out there. Uh, and I've read that too, but I, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Marcus Kruger uh, personally, and uh, so I'm a little biased, but I like I like the style of game he plays. Uh, I think. You know, it's it's the little things that he does well. He doesn't have to be a, a top uh, scorer to be a successful third-line center in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah, I certainly don't disagree with you either. I think he's a he's a valuable piece just with with that team's chronic cap situation. That's kind of a luxury that they, that they probably can't afford to have. So, yeah, a guy I'd take on my team any day, but probably not at 
you know, what does he make? Three point eight million or something, something like that. Three point oh eight. Okay. So I, 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 you know, for a third line, a successful third line center that plays two hundred feet, I don't think three million is a whole lot of money. Uh, I mean, Ponick's making a little less at twenty eight hundred. Uh, million. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, two point eight oh. Oh, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, value in center is uh, is something that wouldn't be surprised. Uh, players, pr- more centers being protected in this expansion draft than wingers because uh, center and defensives, your centers and your defense are really the guys that make up your team, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. That's why I think we both went with that. Van Riemsdyk, you know, having a having a cheap quality defenseman is extremely important for for a team like that. So, um, yep. I'm trying to see any other ones where I went against the grain a little bit. Uh, L.A. I don't know. I don't know what you did it with L.A., but I have them protecting Dowdy, Martinez, Muzzin, and Forbor, and then just protecting Kopitar, Carter, Toffoli, and Pearson up front. So, so you have him leaving McNabb out, and uh, you have Kopitar, Carter, Toffoli, I believe. Did you say Toffoli? Yep. Um, yep. Clifford? Pearson. Pearson. Okay. I You know, Pearson is a, a nice player. I, I do like I do like Kyle Clifford, too, and for a lot of the same reasons I uh, spoke about Marcus Kruger, to be honest. Uh, solid player. I had... So I think that's where we differ in that uh, in the draft. Well, I mean, in Pearson, what did he what did he have last year? What were his? I, I, I've got to pull up. But a, a guy like Kyle Clifford is really, I don't want to say dime a dozen because he does serve a serve a role. But Pearson, a scoring winger, scoring is so like he scored twenty four goals last year, forty four points. Um, if we're looking at ice time, he played sixteen minutes a night and. Kyle Clifford played 11 minutes a night. So, yeah. Um Pearson I like a lot. I think, you know, he's he's going to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer for a long time. So I don't and, uh, I don't see the comparison really. I think it's kind of a no-brainer in my opinion. Okay. I you know, um Forbor is a a guy a piece that they really like in LA and I've heard you know, uh people talk about uh, bringing him in on the Vander Kane deal, possibly as well, being his name being mentioned in, with Muzzin and Martinez. Uh, so it's, I thought it was interesting that you uh, took him over McNabb, but I completely understand why. Well, yeah, McNabb really fell out of that top four last year. Like he was mm-hmm. clearly a third pairing guy for them, and Forbore was was in their top four. Clearly, played all eighty two games for them last year, averaged twenty minutes a night. I'm also a University of North Dakota guy, so um, that gives him another point in my books too. <laughs> but I think on his deal too, his contract is is very nice. And when you have you have Braden McNabb, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season, but then you have Forbar, you still have team control over, and he's only at six hundred fifty thousand dollars this year. I feel like he's really a, a clear step above McNabb in my opinion. Um, and that's coming from somebody like I, I like Braden McNabb, and I think 
he probably could be a top four defenseman elsewhere, though I think he has been overrated because of, of playing with Drew Doughty and being carried by one of the top defensemen in the game. But uh, I think Forbor, Muzzin, and Martinez, I think they would they would definitely want to protect those three over over McNabb. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could and I, totally and I would be surprised if LA would be willing to to uh, to get rid of Forbor in a in a cane deal just because of that contract situation is so nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Muzzin or Martinez could be more realistic. And we we discussed that I know on the on the prior podcast. Yeah, it's uh it's um for for board be a nice player, but I think it's like like I said, he's, he's a guy I think they really like and with their cap situation. Uh, I wonder I wonder what the what's going on with uh, the LA and Buffalo talks. I sure they slowed down. I know that uh, Mark and I were discussing before the podcast, and we're uh, we're talking, and I. I said that uh, I basically, and I, I'm pretty sure Mark feels the same way, that we won't see a Vander Kane move until the month of July at the earliest, is my assumption, um, where they know a guy can come in uh, that they can, once they trade for him, they can bring him in and sign him. Kind of, we, I mean, granted, we did trade for O'Reilly, but we knew he was going to sign. Who's to say Kane is actually going to do that or not? Yeah, yeah, I think Tim Murray knew more than us when he made that that O'Reilly trade, and he signed it pretty quickly with the Sabers. I don't know if the Kane's going to be in the same situation. It, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know if Kane's going to be as willing to sign it. Completely would depend on where he was traded, of course. But I, I can also see from his perspective, thinking, "Am I going to put up another offensive season like the one I just had? Maybe I should cash in on that offensive season." now and lock in that and maybe I could get more as an unrestricted free agent but there's a lot of downside too you know what if he gets hurt again which is a very real possibility with the way he plays and his injury history Uh, so that'll be an interesting situation to to watch unfold and yeah I completely agree with you there's a reason why you're not seeing a lot of Evander Kane talk or Evander Kane rumors right now it's because first of all the Sabres aren't in a tough situation with the expansion draft they can easily protect him and then make it call later and it opens up the pool of teams that I think can trade for him if you wait until then and then when you add in like you said the contract situation where a team can have a better idea of whether or not he's going to be willing to resign after July 1st it all adds up to to saying we should probably be waiting two or more weeks to really be talking about Evander Kane yeah yeah um I I still think I still think he gets moved I think this is a piece that uh we're not sure the future holds with what he wants, what his priorities are, but uh, I think LA would be a a place that he would really like to go. Uh, you know, a uh, lot of things going on and uh, uh, something that might appeal to him. I'm not speaking like I know him personally or anything. Uh, so it should be interesting with uh, Vander Kane, but yeah, we're gonna have to hold off, like you said. Um. Any other teams uh, in particular that you uh, wanted to speak about, Mark? Uh, Minnesota is an interesting one. I know uh, talks are going around that Scandella and Brodeen could be that Minnesota could be taking offers from teams right now as we speak about Brodeen and 
Scandella. Uh, what do you think? What do you see for the expansion as of now for Minnesota and who they're going to take and who they're going to leave unprotected? So I think they will go the seven three one route, which I know we'd kind of come to. We discussed it briefly on our on our last podcast. Right now on the defensive end, I have them protecting Suter, Spurgeon, and Dumba, and leaving mm-hmm. Brodine and Scandella unprotected, and then up front. Parisi, Koivu, Pominville, Charlie Coyle, Jason Zucker, uh, Nita Ryder, and Mikhail Granlund. So they'd be leaving. Eric Stahl would be the, the prime piece up front, though I think almost certainly Vegas would be taking one of those defensemen, Brodine or Scandella. So yeah. both guys I think the, that are going to draw a lot of interest from around the league. I don't know if Minnesota ends up moving both of them, though I think it's pretty likely that they move one of them at the least. Yeah, I uh I you got to think that one of those guys are going to get picked. And uh you know, you got some you ha- you have some uh you have a lot of depth within, you know, the, fortunately for uh Minnesota, they can only take one player from them. So, I mean, even if they move out a guy like uh Scandella and keep a high-priced guy like Rodine or move a guy. Let's say let's say that they move Rodine because he'll they'll get more mon- they'll get more in return for him. I believe with how young he is and how good he is, uh, and they and Vegas takes Scandella. They're still not in a bad situation if they bring in a young defenseman or a prospect or uh, a, a, a end up. You know, getting a a, a proven uh, a proven uh, guy up front, even too. There's a there's a lot that can go wrong for Minnesota, but I think I think either way they're still going to be all right. I, I I don't think you know their biggest problem, honestly, is the guys that they have no movement clauses on. Is you know in Parise, Koivu, and Pominville, especially Pominville, um, that. That uh, those three guys eat up a lot of salary and uh, aren't the you know I wouldn't say Pominville is a premier guy on their team anymore. Um, Mike uh, Miko Koivu is someone I have tremendous respect for, and Zach Parise has done a lot in the league. But you guys, you got guys like Marcus Granlund, um, who I who we would both have him protecting that could add additional center help if uh, some of those guys weren't uh, uh, have a non-movement clause, mainly Pominville. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's really put them in a difficult position where they have to leave Eric Stahl unprotected, somebody who had a really good year for them last year, and Mikhail Granlund, who you mentioned, he really stepped into the fold. He, he became that number one center that they really needed, and that's why they were able to be so good last year. And, of course, once again, they they failed in the playoffs. But Granlund really taking the next step was, was huge for them last year. And if they didn't have those, those no-movement clauses, I think things would be more interesting. Maybe you could even see them considering the, the eight-skater approach rather than the 7-3-1. But these are the rules, and for some teams it – it wasn't a big deal for the Sabres are one of those teams that just happen to have, you know, their big guns, they're two of their big guns, not part of the expansion draft because they're only second year pros, 
but then certain veteran teams like the wild in particular just were put in a horrible situation by this because you know they, they didn't know when they gave these no movement clauses out that this would happen and that no movement clauses would force a player to be protected in the expansion draft i mean there's no way that you put those calculations into effect but i do wonder if if those no movement clauses aren't going to be more and more rare in the future just because of reasons like this well um I hate to change the topic here, but I got some breaking news, uh, real-time news here. Um, Mets announced that they're extending protective netting so their fans will remain uninjured at least, unlike the players. Oh. So, there's that. Huge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tupac Shakur, by the way. Um <laughs> Another another uh, team that's uh, been talked a lot about and uh, we've talked about is uh, the Colorado Avalanche, Mark. Uh, there's um, some pieces that – there's a lot of uh, pieces that could use protected. Uh, the worst team in the league last year, one of the worst teams in, that I can ever remember since the really bad Sabres years. Um, what do you think uh, – what do you think Colorado uh, – has uh going up their sleeve right now. They have a lot of they have a lot of goaltend they have, you know, two goaltenders you could uh discuss in between, but that's not really the fun thing, but we got some defensemen that they're going to have to make decisions on too. Well, I think buying out Boshaman made their decisions for the expansion draft at least a lot easier and you know when we're talking about the trade market and who's out there. Tyson Berry's been a huge name. I know you and I discussed him briefly before starting the podcast. Uh, and, and also rumored out there, Duchesne has been. Landeskog's name gets thrown around. Though with Landeskog, I'd be pretty surprised. Duchesne would probably make the most sense of the guys they have up front, You know, of, of the valuable guys they have up front just because they only have them under contract for another two years. But I also would be pretty surprised by a Tyson Berry trade unless they just get blown away by an offer it's they're not loaded on the back end so they're not a team like Minnesota or something that we were just discussing where they have five top four defensemen you know Tyson Berry is a dynamic player one of my favorites in the league and I don't know what they'd be looking to move him for maybe another stud up front but then you just make the hole that much larger on the back end and it's a it's a big hole on the back end, and they have forwards coming. They have our old friend JT Comfer, uh, Miko Rantanen, Tyson Yost, another University of North Dakota guy. Um, so they're in pretty good shape up front. So I don't know what they really gain by moving Tyson Berry, unless they think that unless they think that he's gone once he becomes an unrestricted free agent. But he still has three years left under his deal, and if these young guys step into the lineup and they become legit players, this team could be a contender again by then. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot of teams turn around quickly, so I don't, I don't get the Tyson Berry rumors all that much. It, they, they don't make that much sense to me. Do you have, do you have uh, them protecting four D? No. Um, no. After the Boschman buyout, I did have them before because they needed to protect four D to be able to protect uh, Barry and Zadorov. But mm-hmm. now I have them just protecting the three: uh, Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, and Zadorov. Leaving uh, Patrick Weircock out on uh, exposed, which uh, he, 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 yep. it would be his rights being exposed, not uh, not just his contract. 
which is uh, a good yeah, and thing he had in a way, kind of. He had a pretty poor year last year, and that's one of those yes. guys that we've talked about in the past. I don't know if you and I have necessarily, but a lot of Sabres fans as a as a possible addition, pretty much because of his ties to Tim Murray with the Senators. But one of those guys that just never took never took another step and has actually regressed. Though you talked about Colorado being the worst team in the league, so I wonder how much of it is just being in that kind of situation, and it's certainly not a a spot for for players to shine necessarily but yeah yeah do you have um do you have our old friend uh Mikel Grinkerenko protected I do yep yeah so do I yeah um, yeah I, I think they still believe in both of those guys mm-hmm. um they're still both young I still believe in both of them too I still like our end of that trade more but I see no reason to leave uh to leave Grigorenko unprotected Showed some flashes last year. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he is what he is. I don't really want to go off about him. I was a huge fan when the Sabres drafted him. I was all in. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a or I had a Grigorenko jersey tee actually. Oh, you did? Though I bought it when he was falling out of favor, so I, it wasn't like I oh. went out when he was drafted T- and bought it. I bought it because it was on sale because <laughs> it looked like he might get traded, and then he did get traded. TJ Maxx? Um, Park Avenue Coat Factory outlet. Ooh. All right. So uh, if you're looking for uh, your uh, your traded uh, player jerseys for on the cheap low, go to go to the, the outlet there Mark was talking about. Um, yeah, right on right on Route 5 in Lackawanna. Beautiful place. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um Another team that I've been interested about and uh, has a pretty compelling situation is uh, the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, talk that uh, you know you got you got three stud defensemen there. Um, well, really two, but uh, you got you have a lot of talent on that team. Uh, what was uh, easy for you to make your pick on picks on a uh, Calgary mark? It was, yeah. I didn't have too much hesitation. I think they're gonna they're gonna go seven three one, and they're gonna protect their their big three on defense that you were just alluding to. So Giordano, yeah. Hamilton, and Brody, mm-hmm. and then uh, up front, I've been protecting Goudreau, Monahan, Brower, Froelich, Mikel Backlund, Lazar, and Sam Bennett. So yeah. I think, I think, I think you, some of those other guys are interesting, but I think they, they just gave up a second-round pick for Curtis Lazar, so I don't see them leaving him unprotected for some of the other guys on that list. Yeah, maybe uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I know uh, they, have, they have to figure out a goalie situation. Cal- uh, Calgary really does. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but Chad Johnson and, uh, more importantly, Brian Elliott, who they moved in last year, who didn't – seem to satisfy the team very uh well and uh, i know there was some flack about elliot in in calgary um those both those guys need a contract this year uh i'm i'm assuming they'll protect elliot uh what, what do you think mark well i think they should be working the phones pretty hard trying to get one of these goalies that's going to be left unprotected and yeah um you know you can look at somebody like like grubauer from the Capitals, and pretty much everybody has him penciled in going to Vegas, somebody that they're just waiting to get a shot as a full-time NHL goaltender, and 
and people are pretty high on him. Um, Leonard, you know, I, I I would not be opposed to seeing what Calgary would be interested in giving up for Leonard. He'd fit right in with the ages of that of that core there. Um, you know, maybe even somebody like like Ranta from the uh, from the Rangers could be interesting. Noivert from the Flyers, though I think they could pick up a Noivert type probably off of free agency. Yeah. I don't think he's really a clear upgrade over somebody like Brian Elliott. Or maybe they have a handshake deal in place already with Brian Elliott, and they're just waiting until after the expansion draft to, to finalize it. But that'll be interesting. That's, that's I think, their biggest question mark. I think they're pretty set up front. They're not going to be making any major moves to their – to their lineup itself. It's going to be goaltenders is the big position for that team this year to watch. You think there's any chance that they let both of them go and then maybe try to bring up a, a free agent? Maybe, uh, I know, you know, a lot of people like hearing this guy's name. So, uh, what about, uh, Ryan Miller moved from Vancouver to, uh, Calgary. It's not too long, too far of a distant move. Yeah, I wouldn't be I would not be surprised by that either if they decide, you know, neither of these guys are our guy that's gonna take us to the promised land. I don't know if Ryan Miller necessarily would be you know, would would get me that much more excited than Brian Elliott at this point. But I thought he, I thought Miller fought hard last season. Not that I'm watching a bunch of Vancouver games or anything, but uh We're a little biased pounded. too, you know, we'll always have a soft yeah. spot for him. Oh yeah. And and you never know. He's he's really at that age where Goalies can really fall off a cliff quickly. Really, any players can, but I'm talking about goalies in, in particular. And you never know when that year is going to be for them. Um, but I wonder, maybe we discussed Colorado, too, with, with both Picard and Varlamov. And yep. maybe maybe Varlamov could be somebody that would be of interest. He's he's still he's, – he's not young, but he's still in the prime of his career, had a down year last year, like most of the Colorado – team and I think they're going to protect Picard and he is expensive so that's the issue with bringing him into Calgary but uh, he's had some very good yeah. years and as a quality goalie so they've got options and I, I would be surprised if they weren't working the phones right now trying to see what's available via trade yeah totally uh it's been it's been a there's a lot of stuff going on uh Another uh, interesting team, maybe, maybe, um, is uh, it's the Florida Panthers. Uh, after making that move for Mark Pissick with Sabres last year, uh, the rumor is going around that they're trying to shop him, and or maybe the rumor was that Toronto was trying to get out of Mark Mark Pissick. Uh, they have a, a talented team who was a pretty big letdown last year, in all honesty. In uh, the Panthers, I thought they were going to have a a, a pretty good uh, season, and some people were even protecting them to win the East in the beginning of the season. Uh, what do you think the Florida Panthers are going to go through? You know, I I don't think they're going to end up moving Pesic, and I, maybe I'm just not being fun enough about all these rumors. But I also yeah. don't see that. You know, they're not they're they're not in a salary crunch really, where they. You know, they're going to have trouble re-signing Pesic. They don't have a bunch of defensemen knocking down the door to take over his spot. And I think that they're going to be able to protect him in the expansion draft. Because they have to leave, they basically have to leave Demers unprotected, the way things are now. Unless they re-sign Pesic tomorrow morning, 
they have to leave Demers unprotected, and nobody else makes more sense than Pesic to be protecting as your third defenseman. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't agree. see it from an expansion draft perspective. I don't think it's he's not going to be demanding huge money. Um, I still think there's some upside there too. He he looked pretty good in his first season with Florida, so I'd be surprised if he ultimately ends up moving. Yeah, it should it should be interesting. Uh, you got to think that they're gonna protect uh, James Reimer. Uh, it's over Luengo is my assumption too. Uh, Luengo is yep. uh, making pretty good money. He's 38 years old. He's had a hell of a career. Couldn't stand him when he was wearing a Boston uniform. Uh, but he's been very, very good in that in his career. And you got to think that they're going to leave them unprotected. And I don't think Las Vegas picks him up either. So they're going to be stuck with that salary, in my opinion. A Boston uniform? Um, Luengo. Yeah. Wasn't he uh, him and no? Okay, sorry, Tim Thomas. I'm Tim Thomas, another I'm sorry. another. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's more hated uh, than Luongo. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, yeah. I've actually absolutely. always had a soft spot for Luongo. He's, he, he's not he's for good. Tim Thomas he's, though. No, no one does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, yeah, you, you got some talent up in the up in the forward uh, forwards for this. Uh, Florida team too and I you know guys like uh, Jonathan Huberdo and Nick uh, Bushtag or I don't know how you can pronounce his name you wouldn't believe he's American with that last name it's kind of <laughs> hard to pronounce uh, but you know they, they have some real good pieces in there and I, I don't see you know I'd still look for Florida to be a good team to compete next year even with the off year they had and they have a new coach and We'll see what uh, the boogeyman can do for him beyond the bench. Yeah, for sure. I I, I think they've got to put up more goals as a team this year. They obviously missed Huberto a lot last year when he was hurt. Yes. Um, Bugstad also missed time last year. But this team just didn't really put up goals despite all the talent they have up front and despite um, Marche Saint getting added to this team and scoring 30 goals last year, leading that team in scoring. If you would have said to anybody in the NHL that, oh, they're going to add this guy that's not established in the NHL and he's going to score 30 goals for them this year. You would think, wow, Florida could win the cup. Like you said, Florida yeah. Florida will win the East if they add if they add a, I'll say, fringe player. Like, But he was, he was more of a tweener before last year, an AHL, NHL tweener before last year. If you added that guy and he's going to score 30 goals. But just a lot of guys had, had down offensive years. And uh, you know, Yager wasn't as productive as he had been in the past. Be interesting to see if he comes back. But just a, a lot of guys across the board were down, and they missed Huberto. Obviously, usually he's probably probably their most dynamic offensive player. And having him for a whole whole season, I think, will will change everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I think so too. He's he's a lot of fun to watch too, Mark. He's a I, I really enjoy watching him play. Um, probably one of the most uh, exciting teams that we haven't talked about yet is uh, a team that's on been on a lot of people's mind, and we just picked up their uh, assistant coach as our new head coach, uh, the Nashville Predators. They're going to be uh, left in some hard spots in this expansion draft, really, uh, especially if they want to protect their big four down low. Uh what 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 do you uh, see Nashville doing here, Mark? I think that is the route they're going to take. Do the eight skaters and then protect their 
top four defensemen, and then up front, Forsberg, Neal, Johansson, and Arvidsson. And I have Yarnkroke ultimately being selected by Vegas because of his, I like his contract a lot, $2 million yeah. per year, not expiring until 2022. Um, I think that'd be a nice piece to add to a to a new franchise. But I, it could be I a disagree. lot worse for them. I disagree with you, though, Mark. I have uh, I have Forsberg, Yarnkroke, Johansson, and Arvidsson leaving James Neal unprotected. Uh, yep, that's very uh, uh, very possible uh, as well. Um, with Neal uh, only having the one year left on his deal, you've got to think they'll be paying Johansson big money this year, and Neal very well may not be in the plans going forward. So yeah, I could I could certainly see that happening too. You know, and and even if they leave James Neal unprotected, I'm not 100 percent certain that he gets picked. I mean, you got uh, you got you got some good guys down there. Um, I think uh, Austin Watson. You know, he's uh, he's kind of their grunt guy, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of value in that. And I don't think I think that's a piece that they don't want to lose. Also, a Colton Sissons is uh, available to be selected too, and Sissons. Uh, really stepped up and played well uh in in uh that Johansson spot after Johansson went down in the in the Western Conference Finals. So I mean I'm not sold that uh Neil would be the guy they take. It could very well likely be, but I'm not sold on it. Yeah. I think uh I, I could certainly see it going going uh the way that, that you're saying for that reason and I guess one of the things that has made Nashville great is they they think long term, despite having just almost made the card, almost won the cup. Mm-hmm. Probably protecting protecting Yarncroke would make the most sense in terms of long term value. And if you're looking at Neil as a guy that we're probably going to lose, despite maybe he's the better player today, the more valuable player today, it's better to keep this contract around. So I could definitely see that happening. I think if that did happen. Neil, Neil would make sense, I think, for Vegas, just looking at it like this is somebody we can bring on, flip at the deadline, probably get a first-round pick for him if they're willing to retain 50% of his or you know retain part of his salary at the deadline. You probably could get a first-round pick in return for James Neal, depending on what the, on what the market looks like at the deadline because it really does vary widely from year to year. But that would you be, got Craig Smith be- and, and Colin Wilson there too, who I think are they're both – Solid players, not world beaters, yeah. maybe a little bit overpaid, but um, certainly valuable NHL players. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm a big I'm a big uh I'm a big uh Colin Wilson fan myself. Uh would would you uh would you be interested in a, a James Neal on the left hand side of uh, a young Jack Eichel? Yeah, I think it could be a fit. I it would depend on the price, and I don't know if that's a guy I'm going to be beating the door Same down to priority. go out and trade for. Um, but you know, maybe next year on the free agent market, even could make a lot of sense if he does hit hit free agency. Though he mm-hmm. he'd probably be looking for a longer term deal. But I think the yeah. the skill set would fit pretty well between the two. He's really a Neil's really a trigger man, and. Eichel is kind of that too, but I think we saw his playmaking really start to take over last year. And so really what you want next to Eichel is somebody that doesn't need the puck on his stick. 
and I don't think James Neal needs the puck on his stick, which would make it a, a, a pretty decent fit, I think. What and do you think? Solid, he's a solid veteran that can stand up for himself, too, and stand up for the guys in that line. Uh, he's he's a he's he's not afraid. He's not afraid. He's not anyone that you should be scared of. But he's not afraid to uh, let you know how what he thinks. And I think that would be a good. Uh, he's been in the league for quite some time, and I think it'd be a good. Uh, he's seen success. He's been on successful teams. It, it would be a good guy to have in the locker room, and I I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, Botterill still doesn't have a connection with him. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point from his days in Pittsburgh that maybe Botterill could have a slight soft spot for him. And then, you know, maybe Housley does too with yeah. his connection to Nashville. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that would, be, that, that would be a name I'd be very interested in, certainly on the free agent market next year, though I think the Sabres will have bigger fish to fry, bigger things to worry about. But this year will be a big will be a big year on the wings, especially if they trade away Evander Kane. It means almost yeah. inevitably you're going to be relying on a lot of these younger guys, and I think it's going to be a year where you see whether these young guys have what it takes to be able to play on Eichel's wing, to be able to be productive in the top six on this team, and then maybe next offseason, assuming that you've addressed some of the defensive issues this offseason, next year could be the year where your one big addition is a winger, and maybe somebody like James Neal could make a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. I never thought about it until we started breaking down Nashville's uh, uh, roster, and then you said, uh, you know, he could be available for trade possibly uh, for the draft as well. Um, well, that that's a uh, that I'm glad we got to talk about Nashville because that's going to be uh, intriguing what they do, especially after their solid year this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they're one of the teams that is in that position. They've got a veteran team, a lot of quality players. That's what happens when you're when you're good and when you've, you know, typically teams with a bunch of 20- and 21-year-olds aren't the ones going deep in the playoffs. Those aren't the best teams. And the Sabres happen to be one of those teams right now just because of the way they bottomed out. And so they're in a good position for the expansion draft. But a team like Nashville is going to lose somebody – of pretty good value. You're going to lose an important piece probably from that top nine up front. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another interesting team, I, I know we're just kind of hammering down things I'm picking from, but uh, is uh, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, a good team. They could possibly protect three defense, maybe four. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you see uh, happen in St. Louis for this expansion? So my projection, I had him going seven three one, okay. Protecting uh, Petrangelo, Bowmeister, and Edmondson on the back end, and then yes. up front, Tarasenko, Stastny, Steen, Schwartz, Berglund, Perrin, Sabatka. Uh, yeah, that's my seven. So leaving Laterra unprotected, a lot of their other kind of more fringy guys, but. I hemmed and hawed about this one for a while, but Sabatka, when he came in last year in the playoffs, he was he, he played among the most on that entire team. He played like 17 minutes a night or something. He was, like, I think, the fourth leading forward in ice time, and they seemed to trust him right away despite not having been around all year, and they believed in him enough to give him a pretty decent contract that runs through 2020. So I think he will be protected. 
I ended up going with Perron over Laterra just because Perron was pretty productive last year. And I think that that Laterra contract is looking like a potential burden at $4.7 million cap hit. What did you have in, in your projections? Um, well, actually, I had uh, I had uh, Petrangelo, Bo Meester, and Edmonton. And then I had uh, Tarasenko. I had Tarasenko, Steen, Letra, Perron, Sabaka, Ferraro, and uh, I did it. I don't have. I don't have it finished. I probably uh, Landon Ferraro. Yeah. Wait. What? Yeah. What made you pick him? Uh. Well, to be honest with you, I was just uh. Just a name that I uh, knew, and I thought that uh, you know, going down the line and centerpieces, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, you you, Paul Stats, and he's a good, uh, a great player, and uh, I didn't have him protected. I don't know. I guess I s- slipped up on it. Like I said, I I didn't have my uh, my uh, my the the one I originally did on the tool for CapFriendly.com. I uh, my web page collapsed because I had it standing for so long since I don't have a login. Uh, oh yeah, so, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's all good. I was just wondering your yeah. uh, your rationale there because I'm not sure. I mean, did he even? I'm not even sure if he played games for the for the Blues this year. Really? Because I think did they okay. claim him off? They claimed him off waivers or something. If I because he was I, in the he was in the. Uh, the Detroit organization. I don't even have Jaden Schwartz marked down on this, so I I asked you about a wrong team at the wrong time, I guess. <laughs> so I have that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough having to try to try to ad lib and on the do it on the fly. Here. Yeah, because I definitely well, this was one of the ones I, I hemmed and hawed about St. Louis. Yeah, kinda looked at yeah their ice time breakdown and. You know who they seem to lean on, and it was tough though because it's one of those ones where there's not an easy decisions. Some of them are super easy, where it's like, oh yeah, this is these are clearly clearly who they're gonna pick, but that wasn't one of them. Um, so what what uh, the change topics here? Uh, do you have a do you have a defensive team like uh, the Ottawa Senators protecting four pe- four pieces on defense or three? I have them protecting three because they do have a lot of pieces up front mm-hmm. as well. I, I think they don't really have a choice. I have them leaving Bobby Ryan unprotected up front. Okay. Probably they're two, the two big pieces I have up front le- being left unprotected are Bobby Ryan and Alex Burrows. And they have to leave. They do have to leave at least two of, as things stand right now, of course things could change by tomorrow, but they have to leave at least two of Bobby Ryan, Mike Hoffman, Derek Broussard, Mark Stone, Kyle Turris, Zach Smith, and Alex Burrows unprotected. And I think Ryan, based on his very pro producti- poor productivity last year, and Burrows being really on the downside of his career, and all those other guys are quite valuable. I think it's pretty obvious that that those two would be the ones I'd want to leave unprotected if I was in those shoes. But I, I can't so, narrow it down to four forwards, and I think you're still leaving somebody unprotected up front that's more valuable than the fourth defenseman that you'd be able to protect. 
in my opinion. So you, so you have Fanuff, Carlson, and Mathot or CC. CC. Okay. Yep. That's what I have too. Um, so yeah, just because of age and salary, really, um, and Mathot wouldn't be wouldn't be great to lose. Um, Clayson too. Um, he's an, a, another cheap piece. I think they like a lot. That I think Vegas could be interested in. So, they've got tough decisions to make Chris on ne- defense. I can't believe you didn't have Chris Neal protected. He's one of your <laughs> favorites, right? Uh, no way. Even if he was under contract, but maybe this will finally be the year he retires. I think so. I think so. I don't know any who who else would even want him. He should just, you know, retire and never coach or do anything with hockey again. Uh, <laughs> he gets hired to the Sabres front office. <laughs> oh God! He no, he's gonna go work in uh, uh, the Rangers under Drury. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> a good one. Um, another team that I had a hard time with, and I don't have anything marked down right now, so I might be putting myself on the spot again here. But uh, it's the Sharks, San Jose. I know they have um, guys like Marlow and. Uh, and um, Joe Thornton, that our contracts are up this year, um, so there's a lot going on with them. You got to think they're going to protect three defensemen. I'm assuming. That's what I've oh, got. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have Burns, Mark, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, and Brendan, uh, Brendan Dillon. Mark down. I have Justin uh, Braun as their as their third defenseman you being have protected. Braun, yeah, I I I hemmed and hawed over that too, and. I even like a guy like David uh, Shomleko is uh, another guy, too. I mean, there's a lot going on. you, you got to assume they're not going to protect uh, Paul Martin. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot. There's a, they, they're, uh, they have some guys on D that they could protect, but uh, they have a lot of talent up forward that they need to take care of, too. Yeah, that was, that was really the deciding factor there is – I think they really have the, the the five forwards up front that they will definitely want to protect, being Pavelski, Couture, uh, Hurdle, Melker Carlson, and Yannick Hansen. And then, you know, I, if there was a clear-cut top four, maybe they'd protect another one of their defensemen. But Brendan Dillon didn't play a ton for them last year, was pretty up and down and played – Played pretty low re- low leverage minutes. I think Schlemko. There was some there was some momentum picking up that maybe he would be protected. But Burns, Vlasic, and Braun were their top three defensemen last year. Played the most. I think were the three best in every every game that I watched. So I think that's where I am right now with them. I also have them protecting Chris Tierney and Barclay Goodrow up front. So I have them leaving Bodker and Ward unprotected. But yeah. Once again, similar situation as things stand. They have to leave two of Pavelski, Couture, Bodker, Ward, Hurdle, Carlson, and Hansen unprotected, and Bodker and Ward are the two obvious choices. Yeah, yeah. And you can't let a guy like Logan Couture be uh, hanging hanging around a lottery. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely Pavelski and Couture and, and Hurdle, too, and those are guys you yeah, would never consider awesome. in, a, in a million years. But Carlson but and, Han- and, and Hansen are also pretty valuable themselves. 
But if I, but if I could, Mark, knowing me, you knowing me, if I, uh, if I were to pick one player that was my favorite player on this entire roster, who would it be? Um, Michael Haley. No. He go, was. I'm gonna. He was part of that part of that huge brawl. Uh, Joel Ward. Yeah. Yes, I love Joel okay. Ward. I was gonna say Joel Ward, but then I saw Michael Haley's name and I thought because he and he was part of that huge that yeah. uh, Islanders Penguins game and he ended up <laughs> he fought. I forget who was in goal for the Penguins. Brent Johnson, I think, was in goal <laughs> and he went down and fought Brent Johnson. And he scored, I think, two goals in the game too. But that that is that is uh, something to be remark you know remember it, it, it's nothing like you know pushing a goalie over or face washing a goalie over and then scoring on him later in the game that's uh <laughs> it's a complete mind screw miss those days um you yeah, yeah to, to all our listeners though you've got to go watch that video just type in uh, penguins Islanders fight night into YouTube and there's a great clip of all the fights with Metallica playing in the background. <laughs> One of my favorite videos on YouTube. All right, I'll, I'll have to check it out too cuz I can't I can't remember specifically either right now. So Oh, you will I'm love it. To check it out. First yeah, thing you got to do after the show. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll after we're done recording, I'll probably pull it up and you can watch my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> um So uh yeah, that's that's really the last uh, challenging team that comes to mind for me for the expansion draft. I think everything else is a little more clear-cut. Maybe uh, Washington could be a, a intriguing one, possibly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Got yeah, because they've got to leave. And there's one topic I want to talk about related to the Sabres with the Capitals. But, okay. yeah, Washington's going to have Grubauer out there. We discussed him before. Nate Schmidt, who I think they like quite a bit. And um, he's actually a buddy I work with because uh, Schmidt's from St. Cloud, Minnesota, and buddy I work with is from that area, and his family knows Nate Schmidt's family. And we went to the okay. Capitals. He, he went to the Capitals uh, Sabres game with me in D.C. You remember when All I right. went to that? But yep. that was kind of cool to have a connection with Nate Schmidt. But they seem to like him quite a bit, but it looks like he'll be left unprotected. And then they just traded for Ty- Tyler uh, Grauvac, however you say his name. I've never known how to say his name. Uh, but now they've uh, got you're, you're... <laughs> my guess is as good as yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they've got him now and Lars Eller both under contract for next year. So now they meet that requirement. Prior to that, they would have had to leave Tom Wilson or, or Jay Beagle exposed as well as Lars Eller. So that gave them – little more flexibility there and i don't have them leaving anybody too interesting available up front brett Connolly probably is the most interesting piece there he was a pretty nice reclamation project pick up by them last year so um there's a there's a lot of uh good defensemen that are going to be left i i don't i doubt that they'll be able to bring in shattenkirk i doubt they will be able to bring in uh to uh bring in tj oshi back i know it's a player that they would really like to he had probably one of his better seasons of his career last year um so i mean this is a team that's in real cap problems but uh could uh maybe get some help with um 
with a, a possible uh, expanding of the salary cap? Yeah, it's it's tight for them. And, and um, what I was going to say related to the Sabres before is I think offer sheeting a defenseman could really be a nice path to, to trying to bring in a young top four left-handed defenseman. And Dmitry Orlov, who I like a lot, fantastic skater, and I think still has a lot of untapped potential, especially on the defensive side. We saw m- more of his offensive skill come out last year, but I still yeah. think there's a lot of upside on the defensive side. I think with the with the situation that Washington's in, that could be a real target. And I don't know if Washington would be able to match this or not, but a seven-year, $39 million contract would cost the Sabres – know assuming Orloff signed it and Washington did not match it would cost the Sabres their 2018 first second and third round picks and it would be at a you know it's a five point whatever six million dollar five point seven million dollar cap hit something like that Uh, but with the capital situation they only have 20 about 22 million dollars in cap space right now and only 10 regulars under contract and one goalie and they also have Kuznetsov and Burakovsky as unrestricted or as a restricted free agents as well that they're going to have to pay. So normally I'm not all on the offer sheet train. Some people are on it every offseason. I do wish it was used more. But this offseason, I think that could make a lot of sense. I think he could be somebody that, that Housley could get a lot out of too. He just, Orloff just fits what he talked about, guys that jump up into the play and that are mobile and that are going to push the pace. Uh, I just could see that being a great fit. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Mark. Uh, it's uh, Orloff was one of my favorite players to watch during the the playoffs. It, or I thought his puck moving is was just fantastic, and every pass that he made side to side, board to board, it was right on the tape. Basically, I thought he was one of the better guys on that team. Uh, in the playoffs this year, so and I was heavily invested in the Capitals. If as if and you it, it, when the playoffs started, if you were uh, listening to the show, you would know I uh, had my wager on them, but uh, <laughs> they didn't end up uh, capitalizing, and they did take Pittsburgh to Stanley Cup champions in Game Seven, and I think a lot of people thought that you know. Whoever won that series was going to win the East and possibly the Cup too. So another uh, that was an, the result of another Crosby Ovechkin th- uh, playoff game. But yeah, there's a Orloff was very good. Uh, you, you you like I said earlier, I you can't, you can't I don't see them being able to make room for a Ken Shattenkirk. Uh, it's it's going to be tough on Washington. Uh, I mean. A few weeks back, you know, they were talking about people were wanting to, you know, spread uh, Ovechkin's name in the rumor mill, which I don't believe it's true whatsoever. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in this team, and they were set up this year to win it, and now they're going to have to think, probably take a step back this coming up here. Yeah, it's it, it's tough for your window to really be fully open for too long without making some sort of major moves. And we've seen Chicago do that a lot of times to really keep their window open. They've they've made tough decisions and been willing to trade guys who were due up for big contracts. Look at somebody like 
Saad. They traded uh, they traded Tara Vinen because they had to get out of Brian Bickle's contract. They've mm-hmm. they've done that time and time again, and Washington's probably going to have to do something like that. Trade a big piece that maybe people wouldn't be expecting them to trade. I I can't see them trading Ovechkin. I just it seems impossible to me. You know, not even because yeah. winning is obviously important. But this guy's the the face of your franchise. If you've been in D.C., you see the Ovechkin merchandise quite a bit. You know, he's he's the reason why hockey is as big as it is, and it's still not huge compared to what we're used to. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it seems like he he's one of those guys that's gonna finish out his career or close to it with that franchise. Um, I yeah. I agree with you that I think Oshie and Shattenkirk and Alsner are probably all gone. I, I can't see them affording any of those three, which is going to be a huge setback just just there, even if they make no other moves. So maybe it is time to to think about trading another piece and picking up picks and trying to retool possibly. Yeah, should be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, any other teams you want to talk about that we haven't touched on yet, Mark? Um, I don't think so. I, I can't think of any that are super relevant to the Sabres. I did want to make sure I talked about that Orloff thing, just because that's really the idea I've been warming up to. I, I like the idea. It's a heavy price to pay with the using the offer sheet, though, too. Your first, second, and third, you said, for next year's draft? Well, but think about any other player of Orloff's caliber out in the trade market. We'd have to be trading Nylander, and or the eighth overall pick. And I don't expect the Sabres to be picking eighth again in next year's draft. And the second and third, I mean, I don't really my care spine, too much my about. I just tangled when you said, I don't expect him to be picking eight. I, I am so hopeful for the Sabres, and I'm in it. I'm a fan, always been a fan of this team. You know, we, we've seen this 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 uh, change time and time after and I think these guys are set up for success but and I think they're heading in the right direction but I thought that before too and I just I'm hoping that uh, this all really works out the way I see it in my head but I've been I feel like I'm always wrong you know I (laughs) well I'm not going to say I think they're going to be picking 25th either of course but um, I think if you can figure out a way to bring in a, a, a young top four defenseman that fits in with this team's window, that's not, you know, that's contract isn't expiring after this season or something like that. If you can do that without touching Reinhardt, obviously, a, a piece that some people seem to be willing to trade, but t- to me, he's really off the table. And, and if you don't have to touch the eighth overall pick this year, where I think the Sabres are going to get a very nice prospect and you don't have to trade Nylander, I, I want to look at those options as much as possible and see if it's see if we're able to do that. And I think maybe Washington by betting that you know this team has disappointed in the past. If if you were to offer sheet Orloff, maybe it would make them more likely to let him go if they think oh, the possibility is there. This could be another top ten pick because the Sabers really struggled last year. Uh, but I do expect this team to take a step forward. Maybe be picking in the mid teens and at that point, giving up that pick in a second and third for a legitimate defenseman on a pretty decent contract. You know, maybe you're overpaying slightly for him. But I'd be willing to do that time and time again, I think. Yeah, he's uh, 
he is definitely a force, and like you said, he he would fit in Housley's system pretty damn good. That's uh, that's a great idea, Mark. I, I like the I like the speculation. People have talked about Brian Dumoulin from Pittsburgh maybe being an option too, but I cannot see Botterill doing that, going and trying to offer sheet somebody from his prior employer. So I'm taking that off the table. I don't think that's a possibility because I have seen I mean, that discussed. You you could trade for his rights. Well, you could. Yep. But I mean, I think it's the same kind of it's the same kind of discussion. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to willingly trade him either. I think you'd kind of have to force him out of there unless they were so scared of him being offer sheeted that they they had to trade him. But I think that's a piece that they're going to try to figure out how to keep. And really, you'd have to force their hand with an offer sheet. Uh, Absolutely, uh, I, 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 I would uh, assume that Bottero would would not do it. I mean, it's so rarely the offer sheets are so rarely used. Um, when was the last time the Sabers were had an offer sheet around uh, when when Edmonton wanted uh, Vanek? Yeah, I I can't remember a single instance of the Sabers ever signing another a uh, player from another team to an offer sheet, unless yeah, I'm yeah. unless I'm blanking. I don't I don't think the Sabers Sabers have. Uh, but yeah, they had they had Vanek signed by Edmonton, and they had kind of forced themselves into a corner by not re-signing Briere and Drury. So the Sabers matched that contract, and things would have been very different had they not and taken the four first round picks. Things would look very different right now, I think. But you yeah. know, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel would be in different places. It's funny. It's funny to think about. That's for sure. Um. So, do you expect the Sabers to make any moves, uh, before tomorrow at three three o'clock when the when everything freezes up? I don't. Um, I would I, I would love to see something. I'd love to see them try to take advantage of one of these defensemen that are available out there, but I don't see it happening. It's tough to gauge right now because I got used to this new normal under Tim Murray where the Sabres were always out there in the rumor mills, and I feel like when the Sabres were going to make a move, you typically heard rumblings about it before it happened. Mm-hmm. And and we don't really know how Botterill's operating. So maybe the Sabres could be being super active behind the scenes, but just... It's tight lips across the organization now. Things have done a 180, and maybe something comes out of nowhere. But there really haven't been rumblings of the Sabres being involved in much because you've seen names thrown out there, but I haven't really seen the Sabres linked to them. So I'd lean toward nothing happening, though I would love to see something happening, taking, take advantage of this of the uncertainty surrounding the, the expansion draft. What do you think? Yeah, I am 100% on board with you, buddy. I don't think that they're going to be making any moves for the the deadline I was really hopeful if you asked me this three days ago I would have said yes <laughs> I, I, they're going to make a move but no I, I don't see it happening uh, it just all, there's a lot of people there's a lot of teams out there that the, re, the fact of reality is a lot of teams want the same thing we want they want to go out there and steal a defenseman and it all sounds good and dandy but I mean the prices to be paid are expensive and uh, like you said, we don't have, we really don't have uh, too many chips, uh, pieces to move, you know, unless you want to move the 18th pick, I mean the 8th pick, Nylander, our, um, our, um, 
Reinhardt, you're not you're not moving anything. So you're not going to get anywhere, and you're not going to get a top two or a top four defenseman with Zygmunt Gergensen's rights and Hudson Fashing and your second round pick. It's not going to happen. You know, you could uh, get on the armchair GM and on cat friendly and make it work that way, but that's the only way it's going down. Definitely, yeah. It's if, if we've seen anything with the defensive market over the past couple of years, it's that these guys are expensive. You saw what Adam Larson went for last year, and I think there are more guys out there this year due to the expansion draft that maybe will drive prices down a little bit, but we're not going to be stealing a defenseman, and that's why I was trying to push the offer sheet idea a little bit because it, it could allow the Sabres to pursue a defenseman without needing to give up one of those very valuable pieces. But in a trade, yeah. it's looking like one of the eighth picker, Nylander, would have to be the centerpiece, and both those, or either of those pieces, would hurt to lose quite a bit, I think. Yeah, if there was a guy I could pick to go out for, I and I'm, I said it earlier, it's probably Dehan uh, from my New York Islanders. Uh, you might be able to get him for a better price. You know, he's a top three or four defenseman, uh, can move the puck pretty well, but. I, I don't see you have to pay like elite elite price, but you're gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to pay something good, and I don't think the Sabers have anything. I I would not want to move any of the three possibilities we we're talking just a moment ago with for a player like him. Exactly, you'd have to hope that they're in love with with some other piece that the Sabers have, and I don't know what that piece would be. I don't know who they would fall in love with, but I feel like the eighth pick or Nylander would be far too rich for the Sabres blood, but then a combination of second round picks and forward prospects that are fairly questionable. You know, do you have what it takes? I don't know if they have like that mid that medium asset, something like a, like a mid to late first round pick, I feel like is the ideal price for him. But I don't know if the Sabres have a single piece that's worth that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I'm assuming they're going to want a player back and not just a couple picks. They're going to want someone. But uh, it's, it will be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Mark, uh, can I ask you a, a question about the the showing Wednesday on the awards banquet? Definitely. Do you think that we will know before Wednesday what, te- what teams are protecting and who Vegas is picking? Um. I don't think we'll know who Vegas is going to be picking, but I do think the the, the list I think will leak out at the very least pretty quickly. We already saw <coughs> Washington's list was leaked, or th- their likely list was leaked. So I think we'll see that at the least. But I think the the conversation you and I had about this is just how poorly the NHL has approached this entire thing and. They've changed the dates and changed the rules and then changed the rules again. And so you don't know what to expect. And it's just been really frustrating to watch. And I think another league, other leagues have their flaws certainly, but they know how to market. And I feel like the NHL is just horrible at marketing. Other leagues would make this a huge event and you would know exactly what to expect, when to watch it far in advance. And instead they've kind of done this on the fly and it shows. So you can sell you could sell tickets to this thing. I think people would pay lots of money to go and watch the team get the Vegas team get uh, 
picked and the awards, and you could broadcast it. I, I'm sure you're probably only going to be able to get it on NHL Network, which I don't have. Yeah, I think it's going to be on NBC Sports Network. But, yeah, sim- similarly, yeah. a lot of people don't get it. So they'll have to be trying to stream it online or just wait till the list comes out. And I get they're trying to push traffic to the awards show, and that makes sense to an extent. But this really should be a standalone event. I think that's what other leagues would do. I, could you imagine if the NFL had an expansion draft? You know, yeah, they would they would hype it up like huge. the NFL draft. And, if, of course, it wouldn't more, be maybe. as popular. But – Everybody of every team would be watching because you'd want to know who is my team going to lose, and you, know, you could have the the players interviewed right away that were picked if they could reach them. And there's there's a lot of possibility for for that type of event, and I feel like wouldn't the NHL has really missed out on an opportunity. Wouldn't that be cool if uh, they told the players beforehand that we're getting moved, and then like they had them walk out on stage or something, and it's like. Uh, and they went like team by team, and they were like, "Well, uh, the, Ana- the Anaheim, uh, the Las Vegas takes uh, Sammy Vatten from the Anaheim uh, Ducks, and then here comes Sammy Vatten and walking out with a brand new Vegas Golden Knight jersey. You know, like I think that would be pretty cool. But yeah, it would be cool if you could make that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> make that work. Yeah, I think the difficult thing is because it's in the off season. A lot of these guys are back in their home countries working out or, or doing other things but you could definitely at least get some people probably to agree to that you know a free well, paid for trip in the off season to vegas i feel like that would be pretty pretty marketable to a lot of a lot of people in their mid-20s or early 20s or you know a lot of guys of that age well, so imagine you know mark andre fleury coming out and he's all grinning and stuff and he's has the jersey and uh, I you know he'd be a perfect guy to put on the put on the stage and make him do the song and dance. It'd be funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, we're not going to see that. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on before uh, we wrap this thing up, Mark? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. We obviously had a ton of talk. About ton to talk about in this episode and i think did a good job of hitting out all the players that are really widely rumored to be available out there went through a lot of the expansion draft talked about housley and his impact so i i, I don't have anything else do you no no i i'm i'm glad that we got to do this i'm sorry that uh i didn't make it count and uh had to kind of redo my thing on the fly with the draft tool here but uh I think it all worked out pretty well, and I, I, I'm really excited to see what goes on this Wednesday, and uh, to see if there's any more moves being made. I'm, I'm assuming there'll be a couple more on the table. Uh, I just doubt that the Sabers are involved in any of them at this point. I hope I'm proved wrong. Maybe we do make a move, but uh, we'll have to see. Definitely, yeah, it'll be fun to watch, and I'm sure you and I will be communicating back and forth. So, hopefully, we oh, can do yeah, another brother. show. You know, if there's a, if there's a big move, if the Sabers are involved in something, we can set up a show at any time. But you know, maybe yeah, probably plan on our next show maybe being right after the expansion draft, whenever we've got a night that we both can do it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think we should, and depending on how late the expansion draft is, uh, 
we might be able to get one on Wednesday night. Thursdays are kind of hard for me. But uh, if not, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm excited, Mark. Uh, I hope all of you other NHL fans are excited about this expansion draft and what's been going on here. It's uh, some real some real exciting stuff, and it's a whole lot to process, but uh, a whole lot to have fun with with an extra team coming into the NHL and there'll be 31 teams next season and the Vegas Knights will be the newest addition with some sweet uniforms in my opinion actually don't like the name but the uniforms work pretty well yeah yeah I liked the uh, I like the concept the their whole uniform concept there so yeah should be a good time and looking forward to discussing it all with you, discussing everything that, that unfolds. So thank you to everybody who made it with us to this point. I know this was a long episode, but I don't think you can blame us with how much how much has happened. And uh, we really, hiring a new coach, I think we condensed yeah. it as much as we could. We crammed <laughs> it in. We, did it, we actually did a pretty good job. And just in just about two hours, we covered what we wanted to. So I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of you, Mark. Way to go. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Josh. You were just too nice. <laughs> <laughs> but just don't forget everyone out there. Mark secretly loves Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> I will um, probably try to get a Phaneuf Flames jersey at some point. I should search them on eBay, see how cheap they are. Just just to feed into the joke. I'll get a Denny Hamel jersey. <laughs> there were zero of those made. <laughs> I'll I'll make my own black hands <laughs> t-shirt and a white and a white Crayola. I'm I'm good. I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm almost as good, I'm almost as good as Billy Leno. Have you seen his art? Oh my god! Yeah, we never talked about that on this show, <laughs> which I meant to bring it up the first. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. He is something else. Yeah, his time. Yeah, I guess it's good. not good enough to continue being paid whatever he gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year by the Sabres. He's still got to oh, denigrate the, the whole place. All, all he has to do is, you know, get his get his pastels out, you know. He gets his pastels out, some acrylics, you know. And he gets his, he gets his uh, board out and he jams some plain white tees and thinks about his time in Buffalo. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I can't believe we never discussed that. I had completely meant to, but... Yeah. Um, I'll have to put a link up to that on the page. Probably nobody's made it with us to this point, anyways. But uh, I might, I might, uh, I might put a bid in. We'll start a GoFundMe. Get Josh Villilano's artwork. <laughs> That's what I'll get you if Olmark is picked in the expansion or is is protected in the expansion draft over Leonard. I will buy you a Villilano sweatshirt or whatever. Um, you heard it here. Sabres fans, uh, it's a verbal binding Omar- contract. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mark's sticking his head out there, so what a guy. <laughs> All right, but, uh, Josh. Yep, appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to talking next. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Take care. Bye, everyone. <laughs>